Devin actually approached me and he said, hey, I'm curious, but would you be interested in being my manager? And I was like, I have no idea what it means to be the manager of a YouTuber. Like that wasn't a title back then, right? Um, now there's plenty of managers and talent agencies for YouTubers, like that's very normal. But I was like, I, I don't know what that means. But I said, I don't know what it means, but I think I can figure it out and I would love to have the opportunity. What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to Veil Media's Now You Know podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks for listening. You're going to enjoy this episode. Um, this podcast is all about highlighting and sharing the stories of people making an impact in the world and in our community, and they all have ties to Utah. That's what we're all about, is uh, people in our own Utah community that are making uh, big waves and splashes uh, here and all around the world. So, Go back and check out all our other episodes. We've had cool people like Reno and Sonny Mahe. We had Colin Karchner, uh, rest in peace. We had uh, a bunch of NFL athletes um, and just people doing big things. And uh, so go check those out, download them, subscribe to our podcast, wherever you're listening to this. I'm excited for you guys to listen to today's episode. Today's episode, we had Cameron Manwaring um, come come stop by and, and he uh, blessed us with his wisdom. Um, and if you know who Cameron Manwaring is, then you know that he's a boss. You kind of like already know his vibe and that this dude's a big shot. Uh, if you don't know who he is, that just kind of speaks to the genius of this guy, man. He's um, he's a, uh, he, he's another one of those guys that if you were at a grocery store, you might stand in line right next to him and you, and you wouldn't even know that this dude is a big impactor um, in, in the world. For instance, in 2015, Cameron Manwaring was highlighted in Forbes 30 Under 30 um, edition of their of their magazine under marketing and advertising. Uh, this dude started out in, with a YouTube background here in Provo, and then he blew up. I don't know if you guys remember. There's a there's a video with Cristiano Ronaldo, the soccer player, where he pretends to be homeless and he's playing with the soccer ball and he plays with a little kid Cameron Manwaring uh yeah he's one of the guys behind uh the scenes on that one making that that video happen which was broke a bunch of records on YouTube but he didn't stop there um he co-founded a company called shareability in his 20s and he sold it in his 20s um he's gotten involved with some cool real estate projects um I know that some of the things that are in the hopper I know that uh, he's always thinking of ideas and, and things to, to grow his business. He is 31 and has been to over 60 countries speaking on stages, meeting and working with people from LL Cool J to, uh, billion dollar science labs in Qatar. Um, and he does that, uh, with his new company, which he's the CEO of called consulting virality. This dude specializes in, ideation and virality when he came into the studio for our um our interview um he came super prepared and said hey these are some things that i've thought about and, and he brought up ideation and virality and um and when i first heard that i was like man those are two pretty big mountains to tackle um in becoming an expert right like becoming an expert in ideas and what makes something viral or remarkable. 
And it was like, man, that's that's kind of just a a lot to chew on. But this dude has this uh, philosophy of not knowing something yet. He puts in the time and he's down to put in the time to overcome whatever mountain is in front of him. And he decided to become a master of ideas and virality and not the buzzword virality uh, or viral like your cat dancing. It's a even deeper and more Zen type of meaning. And that's why I'm excited for you to listen to this because it was a uh, super uplifting, super inspiring um, it made me feel like I could pick whatever big subject in the world and, and become a master at it if I'm down to put in the time like this dude was. Um, and I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. There's, there's principles of progression. There's principles of awareness and, uh, and just being active, um, moving without not knowing all the answers. Uh, super uplifting. I'm talking too much. And without further ado, I'll jump into the interview with uh, Cameron Manway. What kind of kid were you, man? Were you were you always a go-getter type kid or Yeah, I was a weird kid in that I was that way. Like I I didn't really have like a rebellious teenage phase or anything. I was like the the perfect boy scout, you know? Like I, literally my parents would punish me where if I didn't you know, clean my room. I wasn't allowed to go to like church or mutual or something like, right. Yeah. I was weird. Like I, I remember one time when I was, I was probably like 12 or 13 and we'd have state conference and, and, you know, in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, what is it like every six months or something, yeah, we'll have like yeah. a state conference. So it's a bunch of congregations and usually they'd split it up into like two sessions. Right. And I would go to both sessions. You're not like, you're not even supposed to, or like, <laughs> but I would like go and then I'd ask my parents to drop me off and go again. And it's literally the same speakers and the same stuff. Like I was, I was weird that way. So I was a good kid. Um, I was a good kid and I'm grateful for it. Um, I wasn't a perfect kid, but I was pretty driven. Like um, I was homeschooled. So that's one thing that's unique, uh, kind of homeschooled before COVID made it cool. Yeah. But it, uh, I, my focus on anything that I was doing was based on like what I was interested in. Right. And I'm really grateful to my parents for that. But it was kind of like, look, as long as you have the basics, like writing, math, communication, reading, whatever, whatever other topics that I was interested in, I kind of dictated what those were. So for a while I was really interested in archeology span and I thought I was going to be an archeologist. And at age like 14, I was doing backcountry surveys in Zion National Park with the park archaeology team and like just doing stuff like that. Um, and that led to more opportunities and I pursued archaeology for a while. And then, I don't know, because of it, I pursued so many different things. So a lot of my family will joke around with me that like, what do you not do? And I'll usually say like, well, I haven't done opera, you know, or something <laughs> like, but I, li I like trying things. And being homeschooled and growing up in that way, I was able to learn how to try and I had the opportunity to try lots of different things. So I, I really didn't have a box, you know, and and so I can contribute a lot of my figuring things out to that. Like I live by that phrase almost it's it's not I can't, it's I can't yet. Right. And I think so many people, they'll come across something that's a speed bump and they go like, well, I don't know how to do that. Like, I'm not a podcast guy. I'm not a video guy. It doesn't matter. It's it's not that you can't do it. It's you can't do it 
yet. And if you have that mentality, you, you can do anything. So really it's, um, that's enabled me to when there's been a fork in the road or an opportunity comes my way to not be afraid of it, but to like know that I, I can tackle it. And if I can't, I know that I can find people who can. So it's interesting uh, to think about that. We're, we're here 2020. Um, and looking back retrospectively, um, and you can kind of make connections, right? At the time, I'm sure as a kid, you're just, hey, archaeology is my thing right now. Like, let's, and, yep. and you don't really tie it to maybe a, a, a principle of success that you're kind of uh, exercising, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but is that something that you'll continue? Recently, you've become a father. I know that. Yep. Um, is that, how, how do you plan to, uh, you mean, kind of pass down that, that same thing to, to your da- daughter, right? Yep. Is it, is that you have a plan in mind or are you going to be like, man, I'm just going to let her kind of choose? Good question. I mean, being a parent, you know, you're always constantly figuring it out. It's a new process every day. Um, I mean, trying to be at least the example yeah. of it, you know, and live it instead of just say it. And then, yeah, I, I definitely like push her. Like I want her to just be a kid and have fun. Yeah. But I always let her know like she can do stuff and you know, she's yeah. two. So, but, uh, but yeah, she's pretty like resilient and rambunctious. Yeah. And uh but no, it's it's a lifelong principle. Like yeah. to the archaeology thing. Like, okay, I, I went I went and I loved archaeology and I loved going out and like looking for arrowheads. Like that's something you can do in Utah and it was like super cool, you know. And when I got to college, I got to BYU and I I went there when I was seventeen, turned eighteen my freshman year, and I remember I had an intro to archaeology class and I, I took it because I was interested in that, right? right? And the professor at the end of the class, he was like, hey, uh, next year, and he was just kind of like telling about the department. It's like next year, next summer, we're going to Petra in Jordan and we're doing for all the graduate students an archaeological field study where we're going to be excavating tombs and doing all this stuff. And I went up to him after class and was like, hey, I, I would love to go to that, like go and be part of that. And he's like, oh, sorry, like you have to be an archaeology major and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went and changed my major that day. And then I went back the next day to class and I was like, hey, I'm an archaeology major now. And he was like, well, I didn't think you'd actually do that. He's like, you also have to take Anthro 480, 546, 20, like all these master's classes. And I was like, okay. So I took them all my freshman year. And I remember I had to do like a 20-page research paper on Nabataean coinage. I had to like translate ancient Aramaic like, uh, you know, scripts and, and writing and translate it into English and do all this like crazy, crazy stuff that there's no way or reason I should have been able to do it. But again, I just, I think anything's possible. And especially with today's resources, with the internet and everything, like there's nothing you can't learn if you're willing to learn it and if you're willing to then do it, you know, so so yeah, I, it'll be part of my life forever. And that kind of, I guess if anything, that kind of shows where I came into what I am now because there wasn't any course for YouTube or virality or ideation, right? Like yeah. there wasn't anything at the time 10 years ago plus that taught that stuff. So I think without that mindset of I can't do that yet or I can figure it out, then I, I definitely wouldn't have gotten into the career that I have or had the experiences that I have. 
Right, man. And, yeah. and, and I think well, that's a good segue to kind of maybe hop into that. But I, before that, I kind of want to unpack this mindset that that you have. Is that natural? Like, do you think like do you think you were just born with like because that mindset is such a powerful one, right? Like when you when you explain it, how you just explained it. Yep. It sounds like anyone reading this story or if you're hearing the story, you're like, man, that kid's going to be successful, right? He's just like uh, the, the professor says this and that's where people stop. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not that major. Dang it. I wish I could have went. It would have been cool. Whatever. I'll go on with my life. And, and you know I mean, there might not be anything wrong with their life, but like then you you switch and then he says, OK, here's here's a class. And it's it's easy to see where it's going. Right. Like when you when you list it, you can kind of predict like he's probably going to end up going on this trip like because he yeah. just wants to go on the trip this bad um and then and then so when i'm thinking about it, i'm like man it's just this kid's mindset man he just decides what he wants i'm wondering is that natural or can that be taught it's a good question um you know we'll talk about things like ideation or creativity and a lot of people think like either you have it or you don't like i'm just a creative person or that's just the way my brain is i don't believe in that i think there's a lot of things that you can learn um probably one layer beyond it that I would attribute to anything of being able to do that. Right. So like, I think everyone kind of gets the principle that like you can do whatever you want to do, or you can learn anything. Right. Like, I think we get that. Then there's the self-control of actually doing it. So this is where I think it can be learned and it's not just you have it or you don't, but I have a lot of friends or family or people that have struggled with things like substance abuse. Right. And when, when you're judging something like that, you can have religious reasons, moral reasons, whatever. But at the very end of it, for me, it comes down to, do I have control of my mind and do I have control of my body? Right? Like full control all the time. I make the choices and it's, it's deep. It's like, if I want to work on something, am I going to get up and work on it? Or am I going to sit on the couch and watch a show? Right? Cause one's easier And one maybe takes a little more effort. And so you do it with those small things, but then when it translates into big things, like you can choose to move forward with a company, but do you have the self-control and the willpower to stick it out for a year, for five years? Like it's hard and there will be a lot of things there. So I don't know in terms of it's, it's one thing to kind of have the mentality that anything's possible. I would say the part that I've had to develop and am still developing and it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of the goal of life, right? Is to have full control of ourselves, of our choices. Like if I want to be kind, I'm going to be kind. If I want to like work on this project, I'm going to work on it. If I want to sleep, that I'm going to go to sleep instead of stay up and do X. Like just control over ourselves. I think that's something we should all strive for in life and the better you get at that, well, then you can, you can get a lot done, right? You can, mm-hmm. I mean, you can accomplish a lot of things if you actually have the self-control to like stick certain things out or be principled, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, that's powerful, man. Um, I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm going to kind of be ADD and jump around here. Yeah, sure. Um, because I feel like that, I feel like that's probably going to be the most valuable. And, and so I may, I'll probably jump maybe we'll talk about principles or um, your story and then, and then kind of these two golden nuggets that, that we want to cover. Um, but uh, 
today in 2020, by a lot of people's standards, you know, what I mean, kind of generally speaking, blanket statement, take it for, you mean, what that is, um, you've achieved uh, success. And I'm wondering, um, and trying to unpack that, like, has your definition of success changed or is it still the same? And you're like, I haven't even, uh, uh, you mean, got to where I want to go. That's a good question. Um, I would say success wise, obviously definition is different for everyone. And there's kind of that financial success side or there's other things like relationships or what you're accomplishing or hobbies. Um, yeah, I've, I felt really successful and, and mostly because of where I've been able to land with like family and relationships. Um, I've obviously, I've had success on the business side and that's usually like what the indicator that you'd pull people in here to try and right. learn things, right. right? It's, it's the scoreboard. It's the measurement, right? Yep. We know if we're winning or we're losing, but all of that, I mean, yeah, my definition of success, I think is changing, has changed and hopefully will constantly change because that's also progress and that's a human need. So we need to progress in whatever way that is. And so, yeah, I have different goals now than I did a year ago and I have different goals than I did five years ago for sure. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I, I, I've achieved a piece, you know, um, that I think has allowed me to more confidently pursue new goals. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a really big blessing I'm grateful for. Were you confident so. before also? Like, I, I, I yeah. understand that your achievements, uh, you know what I mean, would kind of help you have added success, you know what I mean? In, yeah. In terms of in confidence. Yeah, and, like yep. walking in into a room, right? But yep. But like uh, as a as the the kid who just came back from Toronto, Canada for a couple years at, at, at BYU. Um, yeah, good question. I mean, I think just my goals changed, but um, I've always been pretty confident. And I think, again, I had enough experience and I had – I'd lived out enough patterns to kind of see that when I put my mind to something and as long as I was making good choices and I had control over my mind and my body, well then awesome. Like I was able to accomplish what I was trying to do. So I was able to do it in smaller bite-sized chunks and then that got bigger and bigger and I've, you know, constantly increased my capacity to be able to process things and understand things and take things on and work through things. So my capacity um, to be able to do things has grown, Yeah. which then I think, again, like goals or, or um, I don't know, kind of the bar that I set for myself has grown with it. So, so yeah, I, I do think that I was always expecting to like succeed in business or life or school or what, whatever I put my mind to because, because I had proved it to myself that I had control over my actions, right? And so, um, so yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a pretty big optimist that way. Yeah. And and I think that's translated over sometimes into like ignorance is bliss. Like there's that, but then once I figure out something and learn it, then I also feel more confident, and so then I kind of move into the next thing that I'm ignorant about. I guess yeah. like it's just it's it's a growth pattern. So constant expansion. Yeah. In confidence of myself. It's interesting because like uh, you mentioning even that as a pattern, it mm -hmm. has, it's like kind of meta in the sense that it's also a pattern. It seems as I kind of like look at yeah, you know, your story, you know, like yep. being a kid interested in this and that's what I'm going to pursue. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's also worth mentioning 
Um, you started a business pretty young doing window cleaning. Yeah, I did. And then uh, <laughs> while you were at BYU, I know that you were, took part in a business challenge that was really successful in like, uh, I think the class said you had to make X amount this semester. In or the revenue. Yeah, it was an entrepreneurship class. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, right, I had lots of different little pattern things. Like I, I did a window washing company and I just expected to go door to door and wash the windows myself completely. And by the end of the first summer, I had like six employees and we we're doing like 200 houses in Southern Utah. Like it, it grew. And so I, I learned and I improved and I grew and then, yeah, the, the class at BYU. So, so yeah, it's a pat, it's a pattern, yeah. I guess. And I'm, I'm kind of learning it myself as I say it out loud, but I do think that there, I think in today's world, we don't value enough self-control anymore, yeah. right? Like I think the dialogue has shifted almost extreme the opposite way where it's, you know, do whatever makes you happy, right? And there's nothing wrong with doing something that makes you happy, but sometimes doing things that don't necessarily make you happy, but that are good for you or doing things that are good for other people can really be that self-control that will yield success. So it's, you know, you may not feel like going to work today and that may not be what's going to make you happy today, but it sure will make your family happy or it's what you should do to be able to provide or like be responsible, which will then make you happy. So I think anyways, that self-control over mind and body and just like saying, whether I want to do this or I don't want to do this. Like that's the difference too, right? I, and I'll correct myself. I was just saying, you know, if, if you want to do something, you can do it and put your mind to it. It's also, if you don't want to do something, can you still put your mind to that? And can you still like push through and, and do it? So Dude, I, I, that's I, probably the harder. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. I think um, I, I, as, as you're speaking, it makes me think about, kind of something also that develops as you kind of start acting on and building this confidence and in, in this pattern of let's call it progression mm-hmm. or increasing your capacity to do and be um, like, it seems like your awareness also uh, increases too for potential opportunities. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Um, and so I feel like as you're speaking, those two principles of progressing and, and the pattern that mm-hmm. that is, and then, even just being aware, right, um, like, of what you can do. And, and that, that kind of even goes into how you end up connecting with Devin Graham, who is uh, – every, everyone's probably seen one of Devin's videos on, oh, for sure. on YouTube. Yep. Um, he did the, the big swing down in, in Moab and, yep. and just uh, a ton of others, as well as yours. And we're going to mention some of, some of the other projects also that – You've worked on a lot of them. You've worked on with Devin, um, but that and and you were you were interviewed a few years ago on. Do you remember what that podcast was called? I don't. I've been I'll, on a I'll few. mention it in yeah. the bio. But you kind of go into more detail on that 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 podcast on how you connected with Devin. And mm-hmm. I just want to highlight a couple things and and um, check that interview out. It's incredible. It's about an hour and twenty minutes, and it just gold the whole way through. Cool. Um, but um, if I if I remember right, you were. Togerville is Southern Utah. Yep. And Devin was up here in Utah County about five ish hours away. Right. Well, and I was actually, so I was living in Provo at the time. Oh really? Yep. It was when I was at BYU. So 
Yeah, I met Devin and, and I was just going out and doing videos for fun. I was actually just in the videos. So the first one that I was in was this snowboarding on the salt flats video. Uh-huh. And then Devin invited me and my cousin to come up to a video in Paradise, Utah, which was the human slingshot into the pond. Mm-hmm. And you'll met, you, if you see in there and you talk about noticing me in a video, um, it's me doing the triple front flip, yeah. you know? And same thing, I was kind of like, Devin came up, he's like, hey, what are you going to do? And I said, I think I could do a triple front flip. And he's like, have you done that before? And I said, no, but I think I can do it. And I just kind of thought through in my head what I needed to do. And I just, I don't know, it was weird. I did it and it was fun. But I met Devin that way. And if you want to talk about like being willing to take on something that you don't really know how to do, I just started doing stuff out of curiosity, like uh, just for myself for fun in terms of like kind of marketing and like putting these videos out there for bigger audiences to discover. And it was working really well enough so that Devin called me up like a week after that rope swing video, which I helped, I went down and helped film it and everything. And Devin actually approached me and he said, Hey, I'm curious, but would you be interested in being my manager? And I was like, I have no idea what it means to be the manager of a YouTuber. (laughs) Like that wasn't a title back then. right? Right. Um, now there's plenty of managers and talent agencies for YouTubers. Like that's very normal. But I was like, I, I don't know what that means. But I said, I don't know what it means, but I think I can figure it out and I would love to have the opportunity. So I could have just said, no, I could have been like, I, I don't know how to do that. Sorry, man, you know, whatever. But I just saw it as an opportunity and, and took it. And I'm glad I did. Cause I learned a lot from Devin and we learned a lot together and we ended up kind of going our different directions in terms of him focusing on his channel and then me trying to find something that was more um, sustainable at the time. At the time, we weren't making squat on YouTube. So my small percentage of revenue share with Devin, it just wasn't enough to be sustainable. Um, and so I started looking for other projects to try and help support a family, right? Right. And so, so yeah, anyways, that that took us different directions that way, but that was really the catalyst for what got me into figuring out like why does this video succeed in the way it does like why why is this one going viral and why is this one not why do people click on this video and watch it but not share it why do people comment on this video um but they don't like it you know like what what's causing all these different things and there wasn't anything to teach that at the time i really had to just kind of say i don't know yet but yeah. I can figure it out. So this is this is going to be an interesting point, and I think this is going to be our segue into kind of covering the first of uh, the the golden nuggets. But before that, I want to just note, just kind of or highlight a um, a another let's call it a demonstration of a principle of success. The opportunity that Devin, when he reaches out to you and says, "Hey, Cameron, can you be my um, manager for for this channel or, or mm-hmm. whatever?" Um, there was, it, it came from you you guys were in a, a car ride or something and you had actually just in talking like you and I are talking just yep. said hey have you ever thought about you know, I mean maybe twisting and turning things this way or that way and yep. and uh and if I remember right I, he was like well some of those things I think will work and and um and I, I only bring and, and that's is that right did I paraphrase yeah. that correctly no I mean in the early times when we were talking that's kind of what piqued my curiosity. I was just asking him questions and 
asking how it worked and why he started it and what what he was doing and how and and that triggered ideas yeah. and thoughts on maybe what we could try differently and uh and yeah i think that's the, the only reason why i want to highlight that because i feel like a lot of people get immobilized by fear of you know what i mean something that they can or can't do right like we're filming this interview right and sure. you're you're you know I mean in air quotes if it's not politically correct sorry a, a youtube guy like a film guy and we're just like man this is gonna be like he's gonna laugh at our little setup you know what i mean but like uh but i think there there is kind of uh something to just kind of putting yourself out there and like and that's something that everyone can do everyone can have a conversation oh, yeah. about something they're interested in and ask questions and so i think it's just important to highlight for for someone who has an interest in something be curious and it's okay to ask questions to curiosity people. is a great word like really like be curious and i think cur- here here's one thing i'll say about the word curious um there's how do i put it so when people are like even with what you're doing with a podcast right like the probably one of the best qualities that you could have as someone who's like hosting a podcast is curiosity right it's not fake interest or whatever else it's real curiosity where you actually can be curious about someone else a lot of couples they would learn um well to to do this if your spouse is having a hard time with something and they're expressing different things, you know, don't just try and solve the answer or don't just try and like respond right away and when with what you want or with what you, but be genuinely curious. Like you may think that you have the answer or you may know, but when someone expresses something, be curious, ask more questions and be genuinely curious. And when you do that, you're going to get real results, right? Like a lot of us can like try and network or try and like ask mentorship questions and things like that but we're kind of already prepping like the answer in our head or we want to look good, right? We want to, I don't know. Yeah, we want to look good. Selfishly, we all want to be like, oh, like my question was a good question or I hope I give the right answer. Right. But be curious and like just don't be afraid for whatever the answer is, not the right answer. So, yeah, yeah, curiosity, that's a good, that's a good one. Well, well, thanks for sharing that, man. I think... That's uh that's another important uh, piece to highlight because uh, I couldn't agree more. Now g- moving back to um, you, this point where you uh, t- decide you're going to part ways and and you decide to kind of just understand. Uh, well, what we're going to talk about is this. If am I is this fair for me to say this is kind of the beginning of you kind of diving deep into the subject that is virality or or yep. being viral, right? Yep, it was definitely the beginning. Now. This is an interesting thing because, like, before this point, and and there's a lot of different opinions now today in 2020, right? But to be viral, and and what year was this about? 2011. 2011. So to be viral as something, uh, before you kind of start, and there wasn't really, you're really one of the pioneers in kind of understanding virality. Yep. Um, It was just kind of a, a shot in the dark. Yep. If you were going to be viral, it you had no idea if you doing the Macarena in a baby diaper in the middle of Walmart went viral. You had nothing to do with it. You just enough people laughed at it and uh and that's just what being viral was back then. Very much an accident. Yeah. Yep. And and what you uh did is you kind of and and I've had conversations with some of our mutual friends. I know um 
what what you did is in, in how I would word it is you kind of break it down to a science uh being viral and 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 understanding that and that actually leads to what you do today right that's that's yep. today you consult in in helping people understand uh virality right but to me even the word virality seems relatively new i'm sure it exists you know i mean it was in the dictionary before but in you mean today's common conversations it it comes up more um what what is your definition of virality or what is it that people that you help people understand in terms of so virality um and again like you said it's it's kind of new but it's not like we've been sharing via word of mouth for thousands of years the only difference now is that we have all these new tools and different platforms that allow us to share more or with a bigger audience. It makes it easier to share, right? Like if you wanted to share something 50 years ago, 100 years ago, you had to do that like in person, you know, or maybe the telephone. Maybe now you have the telephone and you can like actually call more people than you could reach in your immediate community. But still like the ability to go viral or the ability to spread a message was limited. So virality as we understand it right now, it's more so it's it's kind of become a buzzword and it's really associated with like things that get spread on the internet. But really it comes back to remarkability, right? So the word remarkable, it literally means worth making a remark about. It's worth talking about. That's why it's remarkable. So when something's remarkable, um, we're going to talk about it. And so there's a lot of different reasons and human principles of why we share things or what makes something remarkable. And a lot of the, the things that go viral that you see are very much an accident. Now, some people are doing it more and more or they're finding certain principles or, or patterns or whatever. And a lot of them go towards things like humor, you know? And so when you think of a viral video, a lot of the times you think of like funny videos Mm -hmm. and there's a reason behind that. And, and that's part of what I've been able to learn and break down is what are those human principles that drive people to not just look at something or comment on something, but share, remark, talk about it. And there's some really powerful things that only virality can give. And like I've I've explained this in in my opinion virality is literally the only way to build loyalty. It is it's the only way. You talk about co- changing consumer behavior, if you want to change a consumer's nature, sharing and virality it's the only way to do it. And I'll give you an example. So we're here in Utah and everyone loves the Utah Jazz. Right. I think today, today, if, if uh, this will date this podcast, right, Ryan Smith bought the Utah Jazz today. That's right. So Utah Jazz. Now, if you love the jazz and you tell people all the time, oh, I love the jazz and you wear jazz jerseys and you tell your friends and family at dinner and you tell people at work and you post on social media that you like the jazz. Now, answer me this. Okay. If the jazz have a really, really, really good season or a really, really bad season, are you still a jazz fan? Yeah. Why? I just love the jazz, man. Right? And part of it is this. Okay, I just love the jazz. Now, why would you, if they have a really bad season, still be like, I love the jazz? 
Well, we have this human innate desire within ourselves to remain consistent with what we put out into the world, right? It's powerful. So if you say, I'm a jazz fan and I love, 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 love the jazz, then it doesn't matter if, again, they have the best season or the worst season. The chances of you remaining loyal have grown exponentially. So in today's climate where there's so much competition, so much, right? There's always someone cheaper, better, faster. There's always a new something. The only chances that you're going to have of surviving if, is if you're remarkable, if people talk about you, if people share about you, because it's not enough to be good. Like very good is now very bad. That's average. Like in, so th that's, that's something that I think more companies would be really smart to pay attention to is it's not enough to just create good products, great products, you know, services, whatever it is that you do, you have to do something that's worth talking about. Because if you can get people to talk about you, no matter what it is that they say, their chances of remaining loyal to you go up like crazy. So there's a lot of companies that have done this really well, like two that I love sharing. So Tesla, okay, kind of obvious. Um, but Tesla has a $0 marketing budget, right? Everything's based off of let's put the budget into the product itself to make the product remarkable. And then people are going to talk about it for us. And not only are they going to talk about it, now they're going to remain loyal to our brand and purchase from our brand where other companies are going to create something that's good or great, but it's not remarkable inherently or naturally. So now what do they have to do? They have to put millions and millions and billions of dollars into marketing and promotion and interrupting, interrupting people to get them to even notice that they exist. So it's very backwards. And if you look at like the global budget of ad spend, it's like 400 billion per year, not even the cost to create advertisements, just the ad spend. And imagine if then you took that and you put it into the product itself. It's, it's really cool. It happened. My other favorite is Costco. Okay. When's the last time you saw a Costco commercial? Like it doesn't exist, yeah. right? But Costco's remarkable. They've put a lot of their strategy into making their product and the experience and their service more viral or more remarkable. And what happens? You have loyalty right? You have massive, massive loyalty to a brand where like, I wouldn't step foot inside a Sam's club. Not really, but like I basically like in terms of how loyal I am yeah. to Costco. And it's because I've put it out there to the world so many times in different ways that I love Costco. So think of the in and outs and the Costco and the Tesla and all these brands that have loyal fans. It doesn't matter if a Costco copy comes along that's better or cheaper. I, I probably, it'd be a lot harder for me to switch over to something else. So it's anyways, long, long segue there, but there's so much power in virality. It's not just a buzzword. And that's really where, again, I'm known for YouTube and a lot of people know me as like a YouTube guy, but it's way beyond that. I mean, like it's very, very beyond that. It's more human principles of what causes people to share. So it doesn't matter if you're a tech company or a nonprofit or whatever, you can and should be more remarkable. And platforms are always going to change, right? There's going to be a new TikTok and a new Snapchat. And you wouldn't think that they would, but there always ends up being one. So platforms are always going to change. 
And if the platform doesn't change, the APIs will. You're always having to chase mm -hmm. algorithms and figure out how to gamify it. What doesn't change is people, right? Like people do not change. And trends will change. Maybe some behaviors might change a little bit. You know, we have smartphones and things like that that are affecting behavior, but human nature and human needs and the reason that we would like engage with other people or our, our desire to connect with people and share, that's never going away. So that's where I focused on. I focused on understanding why do people share what they do and what causes people to talk about things as opposed to YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or whatever else. So YouTube started me into what I'm doing and it was very much the platform that I was able to like learn a lot, but it by no means, it's it's not even 1% of what I've done over the last five years. It's really expanded into a lot more. Man, that's pretty deep, man. I don't, I wasn't expecting a, <laughs> a really deep piece or, uh, uh, around that. And so maybe, um, would you suggest then maybe if you put your consulting hat on then mm -hmm. in using those two examples of like Tesla, if I'm if I'm a business um, and I have a service or product that I'm uh, that I want to push out, mm -hmm. w would you consult or suggest uh, or coach someone to put their focus on making a remarkable product, service, or piece of content before hundred percent spend hundred percent. And it scares people, right? Yeah. Because it's outside of their control. So we can't control virality, right? And so it's very scary. You can control how many eyeballs you force to look at your product. But it's you get into this vicious cycle if you don't have remarkability, if you don't have virality. So you can pay a million people to see your product or see your service but if it's not shareable at all and zero people out of that million share it, it stops there. And all of a sudden you have to like start your budget over. So it might be good enough that they might look at your website or they might like it themselves. But if they don't talk about you and they don't talk about it with other people, it, it dies. Yeah. Without virality, you die. Which so yes, if I tell anyone with my consulting hat on, it's you got to be willing to step outside of that and just imagine if you took your entire marketing budget and actually focused on some ideation, which we can talk about as well. But if you focused on making your product remarkable itself, yeah, it's, it's fun when you have a viral product or a remarkable product and you don't have to put much into it for it to like grow, that's gold. Yeah. Then if you put spend on it, it's just gasoline on the fire. Like it just, it'll just grow exponentially because you're increasing, you know, the threshold. So I think that's interesting because the, uh, there, it's understandable that there is a fear, right. To kind of like, Oh, this is a new approach. You know what I mean? Maybe don't put anything into, I mean, forcing my content to be in front of somebody. Um, but then you bring up another point. It's also just as scary to put X amount of dollars towards your thing and, and, you still don't have control. You, know, you might force someone to look at it, but that doesn't mean that they're gonna. It's gonna translate to a mm -hmm. customer or dollars or or you mean whatever your model is. Um, this this question can probably help us um, segue into this other piece, um, and then I maybe even bounce around between the two because I think this is really gonna be the meat or gold behind uh, our conversation today. Um, but uh, in, in thinking about ideation, also. 
Um, and this is more of a practical question. What um, what are some of the most common mistakes in someone's attempt to be genuine or to make a remarkable product, uh, service, or content piece of content? Um, I mean, they might be honestly trying to make something remarkable, but what, in terms of practicality, what's what's yeah. one of the more common mistakes you you run into? Um, it's just that people people have crappy ideas, like that's really what it is, and and you know we can talk about this but it it sounds harsh but like you know we we learn how to be doctors or dentists or we learn how to be athletes or lawyers or even film directors media we don't learn a lot about how to come up with ideas right like what's an idea what what is the definition of an idea right like it's things in your head right like <laughs> But that's literally like, this is our body. This is our brain. So any business, any, anything that happens, any decision in life starts with an idea. It's formulated by an idea. And so, you know, there's things like psychology and things like that, that maybe kind of delve into the human mind and, and neuroscience and how things work. And I actually, I work with a group um, called the Lab of Misfits and Bo Lotto famous neuroscientist. He's given a lot of TED Talks. Um, we worked on a lot of projects together and we've had this conversation in detail. But what, yeah, what is an idea? So I think people's lack of understanding of first how to come up with an ideas, right? Like if you're in a company and you're listening to this or yourself, most ideas, you start out by saying like, well, let's brainstorm. Right. Like, let's have a brainstorming session. Right. Okay. And what does that look like? It's usually like a few people sitting around a conference table and you kind of blurt out thoughts. I wouldn't even consider them ideas. And, and I can talk about why, but you're blurting out thoughts. You're blurting out maybe some ideas. And then you end up grabbing one of those and going, oh, I like that. Let's go with that. And then you might spend weeks, months, or even years putting budget and time and money and people and energy into pursuing that idea without really having vetted or understood whether that idea is remarkable. And you don't have to, not every idea needs to be remarkable. Some can be good or great. There's a combo, you know, but, but why would we pursue something that's not at least good, right? Sometimes there are just bad ideas. And so anyways, I, I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls is that we, we spend so much time perfecting the craft that we do, yet ideation and that understanding the process of how to come up with ideas that don't suck, that's something that we don't really spend time about. We don't teach that. And it's another one of these things I've had to just kind of figure out, but I figured it out really well. And so we have our team now where we'll go and do ideation for huge companies all over the world and come up with ideas based off of the goals or whatever they're trying to do, or we'll actually train them internally how to come up with ideas. We're working with a, a large multi-billion dollar organization right now in Qatar, and we're teaching them and building actually an innovation slash ideation team within their organization, solely focused on that purpose of coming up with ideas and curating ideas from different departments and helping all the different departments develop their own ideas. So anyways, yeah, biggest pitfall. That was a long answer for you, but um, 
people don't know how to come up with ideas, right? We just, we put a lot of time and effort into pursuing something and how we got to that process is also probably really accidental, right? And, and so while creative flow and ideation is a lot of times an accident, we can be more accident prone, you know, at least we can try and make you uh, have accidents more often. So. Dude, that's so deep, bro. <laughs> is maybe too deep? No, no, okay. no, not even, man. I think Does it's, it makes sense. A hundred percent, man. I think um, it's interesting. And you know, what I mean, and I don't want to. I don't want to tackle this now because there's a good flow going right now. But it, I, I, part part of me initially, part of me is baffled that someone would even want to take on. You know, what I mean, that seems daunting. Let me try to uh, understand virality, which you know what I mean. To me, like the layman's definition of is like, you don't understand it. It just happens, right? Like, but someone trying to understand that scientifically, uh, almost is is thing. And then even the idea of understanding ideas and ideation, and you mean where that's just you're right. A brainstorming session, that you know, what I mean that is, I've participated in many of those. You know, yeah. Um, so brainstorming, I'll just. I'll touch on that real quick and I don't want to lose your thought, but brainstorming is broken, right? Like if you're still using the word brainstorming, that's probably a pitfall in itself. Like it's not that the word is bad or anything. I still talk about it, but the, the, the setting that we do that within is so broken, right? Like you're sitting again around a conference table and there's usually an authority figure or a boss there. And what do you want to do selfishly? You want to remain in good standing. So even just the way that we come up with ideas or the environment that we come up with ideas is so broken that it limits creativity in immensely, you know, because you don't want to throw out ideas that are going to make you look dumb or that aren't the right answer. Like it's been proven scientifically that we actually come up with ideas way better individually. And then you can pull those ideas together as a group and even, you know, compound and expand them further. But, but yeah, even just the general understandings of like how to come up with ideas, it's just so, I'm baffled that we have all these, you know, multi-billion dollar companies around us and the majority of them have not the slightest clue how to actually go through that process of ideation, you know? Man, that, that's, that's interesting. And that actually might answer the question, um, that that I want to ask is, um, like what what then should be the first paradigm shift or glass breaking moment of kind of breaking outside of how what my thoughts are of an idea right because i very much fall into probably this group that you're Mm -hmm. talking about that doesn't really pay no mind to ideation or ideas themselves for for what they are right it's Mm -hmm. just oh i have an idea uh let's go to ihop or something i mean then i might consider that but it sounds like you've uh Bro, like I'm very surface level, if that's my understanding, and it sounds like you're in the deep blue ocean, um, and I'm sure there's a series of of thresholds that you need to break through to kind of get to where you're at. But maybe on for for again, just the average person like me who's kind of first hearing about this idea, what should be kind of this first shift in in my thinking and yeah. what an idea is or ideation? I think the first thing is just to recognize that we don't maybe give the right amount of time or energy towards 
ideation, right? We think of it as an accident. We think of like, I had a great idea. And we do, we do have great ideas. But there's usually um, situations we've put ourselves in that I think we're being very subconscious and not we're not being conscious about how we're getting to that idea. We've all had a great idea, all of us. Everyone's experienced phenomenal ideas. And sometimes we'll talk about, oh man, if only I had done this idea. Now that goes back to us like pursuing things and doing things. But that process of ideation, so like being aware. So like I'll give you one example kind of where it started for me. Um, I was doing all these viral videos, right? So I've done over 150 videos um, and campaigns that have done at least a million organic views on their own, right? And some of them into the tens and some into the hundreds of millions of views. So my ability- and Organic views means you didn't pay- No paid. To put that in front of anyone. No, that's just organic. Some of those they would put paid to compound it because again, it was shareable. So mm -hmm. why not put gas on the fire if it, if it's actually shareable, but out of those over a million views, each organic. So that, that right there again is like, okay, I am good at coming up with ideas that can go viral. And I figured out some of these things with virality. And part of it was I figured out that you needed parameters. Okay. But then I also started looking and I was like, where do I get all my ideas? And so one thing I just started noticing patterns, right? I get most of my ideas in warm water. Okay. So talk about like environment. There's a lot of factors. And if you think about ideation, if I, if I was to compare it to like an Olympic sport, right? Like it's our brain. So if you're going to be like an Olympic athlete and performing a certain event, then why not with ideation to train your brain and your body and put yourself in that environment to be able to perform really well? Same thing. Okay, that's the way I look at it. So for me, one of the ways that I get into that creative zone or that creative flow state, I call it shower brain because for me, I get ideas in the shower. And I bet a lot of people listening to this also get ideas that come to them in the shower. I get a lot of ideas in the hot tub, right? Like you'll, you'll sit in a hot tub with maybe family or friends and you just kind of like spill your gut sometimes. You ever wonder why? Like you just talk about, kind of deep things right. or like past experiences or relate, or you'll come up with ideas. And whether it's a shower or a bath or a hot tub, whatever, warm water for me puts me in a state of creative flow. And for me, the best way I've understood it is I've kind of related it to like the womb and birth. So like there's something about almost going back to when we were in the womb that we were like surrounded by warm water and it's very comforting and safe and the external stresses of the world are kind of taken away. Same thing when I'm having like a shower or a bath or something, I just feel really like calm and comforted and it allows me to focus and like really like tap into my mind. So that's one thing. And there's others I can talk about, like some of the things with setting parameters or something that that my team and me have developed called thinking inside the box. But first and foremost, it's just kind of realizing that, wow, maybe I am in a certain state when I'm coming up with ideas. For some people, it's motion. It's when they're exercising and they're moving their body and that generates more thinking and they're having better ideas. For some people, it's when they're out on a drive. For some people, maybe they're out hiking or something. 
For some people, maybe it's just complete silence in a room by themselves. For other people, maybe they have more ideas come to them when they're surrounded by people, right? And they have like all these different catalysts and triggers and thought starters because of other people. So figuring out your shower brain and like where your creative flow comes from, I think that's first and foremost, and it is different for everyone. But that's part of what we do is we train people. How can you get into creative flow? And then we also go through some processes for like how to come up with ideas more effectively. Um, you you triggered kind of just a, a thought, right, in, yep. in my mind, because it's like um, I think when when someone might first hear that, it might sound uh, foreign and, and kind of like, wait a minute, you're telling me if I get in warm water or whatever your thing is, and it kind of sounds uh, uh, just off the wall. And and even myself, as I hear that, I'm like, okay, that's uh, as as I try to process that and make sense of it, I'll, I'll realize like it's actually not that foreign at all because, like, right as a former athlete, right, like there's always these new diets or these new exercises. Let's go in the cold chamber or, or whatever, yeah. and we're doing all these things. You're changing your state, yeah, right. Where we do all these things for to enhance my performance on the football field or on the basketball court or, or whatever your your thing is. This is just your brain. The same principle, yeah. Ideas come from your brain, and your body is the vessel that supports your brain. Yeah, I mean that's another big part of it, right? We we train on this and talk about it. If you aren't mentally healthy, if you aren't physically healthy, um, how could you expect emotionally healthy? How can you expect to come up with good ideas, or at least consistently? Again, things are going to happen, right? Like we're. We're constantly making ideas and decisions to even get throughout our day and move one foot in front of the other. But to really do that consistently and and at a more competitive level, um, yeah, you have to be healthy because, yeah, your your body supports the energy that goes to your brain. If, if you don't get good sleep, if you're not eating good food, how can you expect that you're going to be able to come up with ideas? And so... When we do ideation sessions and we'll do like offsite, like intensive weekends where we'll come up with ideas, we're like super mindful about the sleep we get, about the food we're eating. Like there's a lot of things that go into it because again, it just comes back to we're conscious that ideation is a process. It's not just an accident, but that we can put ourselves into a creative flow state to actually access more ideas. And then there's how to like get more, and I, I can share some more thoughts or insight. I don't know wherever yeah. you want to go with it, but well, dude, I want to yeah. cover it all, man. It's so <laughs> it's so intriguing, man, and like, uh, and and this might be kind of the same question to what you were leading to, or maybe it's, or maybe it's three different questions, or maybe it's answering the parameters piece, um, but like, uh, you mean, and you take it however it goes, man, because I think uh, this is. Uh, legitimately very educational like real time sure, today sure sure you know what i mean um but how do you sift through bad ideas then right like how do i know that that's a bad idea if i come up and i'm and i try to you know I mean i'm a beginner at this and i and i realize okay i'm thinking well yep. when i'm exercising um and i have x amount of ideas how do i get through through the bad ones and i'm not sure if that's the yeah. parameter thing or where you're going but it's close and and i think so most people want to know how do i come up with good ideas great ideas or or what are the bad ideas yeah and from experience you know and and 
practice and then kind of, uh, yeah, experience and practice. I can take a look personally and not in a prideful way, but I can take a look at a list of a hundred ideas. Okay. And I can tell you at least on the virality or remarkability side, I can tell you these six, um, have viral potential, like very, really close there. These 15 could be refined and we could get it to be remarkable. And these are the 80 or whatever it is that just need to be thrown in the garbage. And not that they're bad ideas, but they're not ones that have that viral potential. They, they just don't have that alignment of human principles or triggers that will be shared. Now, when it comes to bad ideas, okay, we actually do an internal training. So we're like building out this ideation team for this uh, company in Qatar. We actually, our training is called how to come up with ideas that don't suck. Okay. And the, a bad idea, you know, you, you've heard that phrase, like every idea is a good idea. No idea is a bad idea. Yeah. We usually do that in brainstorming sessions, right? You right. hear that yep. because you they're want... just trying to grab stuff, right? Exactly. Um, but there are bad ideas. Bad ideas are ideas that have nothing to do with your goals or your parameters. So a lot of people, you also hear the word think outside the box. Yep. We need to think outside the box. Well, if you don't know what your box is, how can you think outside of it, right? So creativity needs parameters. Like you need rules for creativity. People want to think of it as like free flowing and willy nilly. And let's like sit on bean bags and talk about whatever. You need to know your box. So we identified the box as audience, timing, resources, and goals. Okay, those are four main things. And there's more you can come up with. You can get as detailed as you want. But if you don't have that detail, then it, it, it's really hard to come up with ideas. It's kind of this paralysis by analysis, right? So let me ask you a question. Um, and this is something we do in training. So if I asked you, I want you to come up with an idea for a business. Go. Um, maybe a subscription model of uh, juice shots that you could deliver. There you go. Cool. Okay, you came up with something, that's fine. What happens though, and and you're usually, probably what's happening is you're using parameters based off of people you've recently talked to or whatever's on your mind, right? So those become your parameters and you come up with a thing. A lot of the times you have this paralysis by analysis. And so when we're just saying, let's just think outside the box, think of something. If I told you, think of something new, be like, I don't yeah. know, right? Like. <laughs> So think of something new, think outside the box. We just get stuck. But now if I asked you this, so think of something um, from your childhood, okay? Or something that you really enjoyed as a kid, something nostalgic. And now think of it in a, a more expensive or extreme form for adults, okay? So we'll think of businesses. So again, there's places like Haagen-Dazs right? So there's ice cream, but then they went, what's the more extreme or expensive version for adults or comic books? Well, now we could do Marvel movies and whatever else or, or whatever that is. Now we have different parameters where all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, okay. I liked this, 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 and this as, as a kid. And this is nostalgic. Now let's get more specific, right? So you're Polynesian. Okay. Polynesian culture wise. If I said, tell me like, what is one or two things that were nostalgic for you, things that you really enjoyed as a kid that also has to do with Polynesian culture, right? So we don't have to get into it. But now all of a sudden audience, okay? It's not just general audience, but we've said that. So parameters, we have resources, 
timing, audience, goals. So the more specific that you get, all of a sudden you're going to start flowing all these different ideas that will come out. And then if you come up with ideas that are outside of the box, you can decide whether to push down those edge of the, uh, edges of the box and kind of innovate and get different. But that's what sucks. So if I wanted you to come up with ideas that are nostalgic for Polynesians as a kid and now a more expensive or extreme version for adults, that's the goal. So if your ideas don't fit the goals and the audience and, and if maybe parameters, I would say, and within this price point or whatever that is, and it needs to be a subscription model. So that would also eliminate some things. And then timing. I want something that we could start within one week, not within a year, not with one. So now you have all these things. We're going to start a business within one week, something we could do within one week. We have less than $10,000 to do it. Uh, it's Our audience is for Polynesians and some of the parameters are things that they enjoyed as kids that's nostalgic to them. Now you might just have 10 business ideas that we could come up with in the next 10 minutes and we could think about those individually and we do different exercises on how to do that. But once we pull those together, those ideas don't suck. Those are not bad ideas because they fit within the box. And then again, we can refine and try and get them to more remarkable. But too many times ideas that we throw out there, they suck because they, they're just not related. We, don't, we haven't taken the time to identify our box and think inside the box. So parameters and rules drive creativity. Like, and a lot of people think it's the opposite, right? They, I'm not a creative person. I'm very organized and I'm very OCD and whatever. You actually might be really good at ideation and creativity because you need structure. Dude, I want to maybe rewind a little bit, and this just to just to prove your point about you know what I mean. You're, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, what I mean, definitely converting to you know I mean this mindset, right? But like when you asked me the question about what kind of business, like to prove your point about ideas in a brainstorming yeah, session, yeah, that was uh, an answer that I thought of when I was in college. That like if someone, you know what I mean? It wasn't, and it was like another kid's thing that I just kind of shifted it. It wasn't like a real, and when you asked that, my my thought immediately was like, what's going to be a good answer? Like, you know what I mean? And You're trying just, to like do something to impress, it, right? It yeah. wasn't real. It wasn't a true yeah. idea, right? It was also, just, what is the definition of good or bad? Yeah. I didn't give you any definitions. I just said a business idea. Yeah. So then where do we actually define, was that a good idea or not? Yeah. Right? So... Dude, this How is, can you give a good answer? Exactly, <laughs> right? This is uh this is so crazy to to <laughs> think about to think about it uh in this way. And this is what cuz the company cuz to, to flashback when you um you you were with Devin, then you kind of start focusing on virality. You were part of a company called Shareability, mm-hmm. uh which um and this is probably mentioned in the bio where you started to have you know what I mean a bunch of success you worked with cricket the john cena video on youtube that everyone's probably aware of and that was after i sold the company oh really but, but yeah shareability did that within my yeah months or whatever after i sold it cristiano ronaldo yep. you, you've met, you've met some really cool people yep um um in this and and i think what's interesting is just kind of unpacking these things that have never really been unpacked right i feel like 
and I don't know, I wasn't really alive much in the 80s, right? Like, I was an idea. But, <laughs> but like, uh, you mean, I feel like p- people have viewed business, you mean, back in the day, it was like just the slick talkers, you know what I mean? The guys who are, you mean, in suits. And I feel like as business has progressed, like, it's been really cool to see where I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm not business, I'm not business, like, I'm creative, like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But now you're seeing that there's actually been intersection between a lot of these things uh, the whole time. Um, uh, you have talked about, um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about shareability, not the company, but just share sharing or something that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard you say on, uh, I think it was one of your YouTube videos that, or something that um, sometimes we're focusing too much on making a, a just like a great produced video or something mm-hmm. versus something that's maybe not remarkable as, as we talked about. Uh, can you share a little bit more about kind of... If I understand right, um, you're talking about like the value of production quality over yeah. the idea itself, right. maybe. Someone, yeah. and, and this it's speaking more around virality, right? Because like yeah. someone might have the the mentality like, I need to go drop lots of money on all this fancy equipment, learn how to use it, and then you know what I mean then I'll feel comfortable putting my stuff out there so that I can go viral. Yeah. And nope. that's I mean, look at like what we're doing right here with a podcast, right? So the remarkability is always gonna be within the content itself. It's you know, just because your microphone is a hundred dollars cheaper than a different podcast microphone or a thousand dollars cheaper than another podcast microphone. All that's needed here is to be able to clearly uh, be understood and the quality needs to just be, uh, it needs to be enough where we can understand the audio and we can hear it and we can tune into it and whatever else, like it just doesn't matter. Now, you know, when it comes to like video, um, it, it depends, right? If you're going to watch like a big cinematic movie, then you probably need like big cinematic cameras. But if you're just trying to get across the principle, you might be able to do that on your iPhone. So again, it really comes down to the idea. And I would say that ideas are so much more powerful than any money or budget or equipment ever can be, right? Like the same principle with if companies would invest their budgets and their focus and their energy into better products and more remarkable ideas, then they wouldn't need massive budgets on all the other stuff, right? Like when we go higher in budget, it's almost to compensate for a bad idea. I, That's really it. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, let's make our office look fancier so that we can attract people to work here. Now that's true. And maybe that can be something remarkable about your office. But if your product or your company was just really remarkable inherently on its own, it doesn't matter where you exist. People are going to want to work with you and find you, right? So whether it's your employees, whether it's your customer, whether it's, you know, dating, whatever, right? Like you're going to drive a fancier car in the hopes of attracting a girl. Well, if you're just an outstanding person, you may not need anything but a bicycle to actually attract, uh, you know, someone that likes you. So we, we usually will overcompensate with budget and money and whatever in personal life and, and in professional life to make up for lackluster 
right? Like the, the guy driving the big truck, like people always joke, like what's yeah. he compensating for? Right. Right. But that's kind of like with any company, if someone has a really big fancy commercial, I kind of go, well, what are they compensating for? Like how many Apple commercials did you used to see compared to now? Now Apple's super successful, like, right? Financially and otherwise. But can, can remember with me here, 10 years ago, how many people that would just rave and were so loyal about Apple, all right? They'd get Apple tattooed on them. They would never even touch a Windows product as if, like I'm Apple loyal. Now, because people did that for so long and they shared it, even when Apple's been having problems with batteries and technology and they're not really innovating that much compared to what they did, they still are. But what they're doing is they're leaning on their billions and billions and billions of dollars to innovate as opposed to just the idea itself. And so, yeah, when people lean on budget to compensate for a bad idea, it's it'll only last so long. You know, hopefully you have the billions and billions that Apple has, because if you don't, you'll go bankrupt. Like you, eventually it just won't add up. What's another exercise uh, that, that someone can do um, to get into, we, we talked about a creative flow Yep. and I'm, I'm guessing that means just kind of when you're, when it, when you're on, right? Like, do, tell me this. So like when, what do you think? I was telling you kind of mine is warm water. Um, and everyone experiences it differently. But if you had to think, you know, and try and identify where do you get ideas and when do ideas come to you? Like when is that? Where is that? What are you doing when that happens? What do you think for, uh, for yourself? Yeah, if you're really asking, it, I, I do resonate with the hot shower mm -hmm. and uh, quiet car rides. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm just by myself and I'm, I don't, and, and for just this reason, drive. yeah, for mm -hmm. this reason, I stop listening. I don't listen to music anymore. I have a few things that I listen to in the morning on the way just as more routine. Yeah. But then really, and I drive a lot. Mm -hmm. Um and and those are kind of where you can focus and, and let go and be awake. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be present. Well, and it's funny because um, I've heard this from some people and it's funny that sometimes um, you almost have to be doing something like driving, which if you don't drive right, you'll die. <laughs> so it's almost that you're again, your, your brain that maybe normally would wander is at least focused enough on one thing that it allows you to have more focused thoughts. So it's different with everyone, but I've identified a few that, that, you know, myself and my team have kind of researched and feel good about, but, uh, nature is one of them. I think that people are more creative in nature. Scientifically nature's proven to, you know, um, boost memory. It, it also will help people to feel more calm. So you talk about a calm, quiet car ride, similar result right? Like for you, it might be the car and for me it might be a hot spring or a hot tub. Nature in general is a pretty good environment to be able to access creative flow. So that I, I think there's a lot of power there. And I don't think that there's any, um, you know, coincidence that even in Utah of all places that we have a lot of people coming up with a lot of great ideas. I think we're in a really good environment where we can still access nature. So nature um, travel, travel's a big one, right? So like what are ideas and how do we come up with ideas? You can only come up with recipes based on the ingredients you have, right? 
Like whatever's in your fridge, you can only make whatever you got in yeah. there. Well, if, and same with experience. So if you have a lot of life ingredients and you've experienced a lot of cultures and companies and people and places, you're going to have more ingredients to be able to use to formulate ideas. You're just going to have more to draw from. So the more you do this podcast, if you keep doing this podcast and you interview a hundred more people, just that alone, you're going to have more ingredients to pull from that can help you generate better ideas and get into that state. So travel can be a really good one, right? It gives you new insight into things that you may not have ever been exposed to or thought of before. Um, motion is a really big one. So I think when the body is moving, that motion creates emotion and it stimulates our brain when we're moving. You know, I walked in here today and you see people walking over on treadmills and it's kind of the trendy thing is to have your treadmill desk. Yeah. Everyone can like kind of roll off their tongue. Oh yeah, it improves brain activity. It's like, good, good for you. I don't think we think about it enough and it's not just a treadmill, but whatever physical activity. I got a friend, I'm not gonna mention him. He sold a big company here in Utah Valley. He's told me before in privacy that his best ideas are when he has sex, <laughs> okay? He's like, when me and my wife have sex, he's like, all of a sudden she like lays down and almost goes to bed. And I'm like, that's me. He's like, I'm just sitting there like writing down <laughs> ideas for companies and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. So it, I just say that as an extreme that motion, it depends on everyone. Everyone kind of figures out their own thing. Um, but creative flow or shower brain is what I call it. That creative flow state. It's different for everyone. Um, so motion. What else would I add in there? Um, mental health, emotional health, physical health, right? Like think of your body as an Olympic athlete and that if you're going to train for a sport to compete in a sport, how can you train through your diet and your exercise and getting good sleep to be able to have a healthy, solid brain that can come up with ideas? And if you're going to do ideation beyond one category, one, you know, ideation for yourself, for your life, for your company. If you're going to do ideation for other companies, even more reason that you need to be exposed to more things, have more ingredients to pull from, as well as like be really physically and mentally fit to be able to get through it because it's hard. It's grueling. Like do a full day of podcasting. You just be drained. It doesn't mean that you like went out on a run and you ran all day and you're like so tired. You're just mentally spent. So being aware of like our brain power, um, you got to be in a good state and anything else. I, I can't remember if I'm missing a category or not right now without seeing yeah. it in front of me. But, but anyways, in general, creative flow, you know, and getting into that shower brain state, it's very individual. And for a lot of people without even coaching or consulting or whatever, you can figure it out. You know, it might take you longer to figure it out, but it is individual. For some people, a, a shower doesn't do that for them. Like they, they actually are in and out and they don't, I'll sit in a shower for like an hour and just be able to think. I know it's where I can relax, you yeah. know, so, um, but some people don't come up with ideas when they relax. Some people come up with ideas when they're like running or doing yeah. something crazy. So, so, um, yeah, anyways, I've, I've said it like in 20 different ways now, no, but I appreciate individually, it. it's it's very much an individual thing. And I think if you're just aware and conscious of it, that 
you'll you'll see you'll see the results start to change and put yourself in that state more. A hundred percent. I I mentioned the principle of, of awareness yeah. like uh, in in the beginning, and and that's also what came to mind. I think. Uh, even as you're speaking, right? Like I think, and, I, and I'm sure everyone listening to this will, will relate. Like um, everyone, probably like me, when they were just hearing you speak, goes back to their time, right? When you mentioned nature, I was like, dude, that's right. Like nature's another one, like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you kind of like to, you, you think about where, where, where this place is of, of creative flow for you uh, or that environment. And, uh, I think what I love, one of the things that I love the most about what, what, what you're doing and the impact that you've made is that, man, before today, all that has just been dismissive, right? Like, it's like a, a time where I'll get in this and I'll think and I might, you know what I mean? And it might be even a spiritual experience like in nature and I will might say a little prayer, but like, it can really be so much more. Like, it, the, the experience can extend and even you mean translate to tangible yeah a tangible reality and i think that's like the the mind blown part of uh of what you're sharing is i think everyone probably listening to this thought about their place mhm and i then, hope so yeah and and then but it's like after that most 99% of us probably just oh that you mean love that like that was cool like you know what i mean i was out by the water and and you know what i mean but it can really there's there's been this piece of maybe our lives that you know we just had dismissed. Um, I'm, I, I'll, I'll start wrapping it up with with a few yeah. of these questions. But um, I'm wondering like uh, in right in part of my due diligence and trying to prepare for this like and I and I followed you on social media for some time. Um, like I remember there was a time like it's you you've had some cool experiences and for everyone this is a plug go follow Cameron. Cameron Manwaring on on his social media platforms, uh, you you're really humble about it and, and you don't talk about it, but you've had some really cool experiences, met some really cool people from all industries. Like you yeah. just mentioned, mentioned like a science lab or billion whatever. Like you've met celebrities. I saw that you hung out with LL Cool J one time. <laughs> like yep. So it's like you know what I mean you you've kind of dipped in a bunch of different pies, but um. Uh, there was one and I couldn't, I couldn't remember, but like there was one time I saw like this cool destination in like the desert. Mm-hmm. It's like this random house. And I think it was on like one of those house shows. Like here's a cool architecture building. And then all of a sudden, like I saw you were there one time on your laptop with your family and, and, uh, and it looked like, you know I mean? The pictures that you we were posting were you kind of in this, it was seemed like this kind of uh state of being right in, in, I'm going to call it ideation. That might not be the right. Yeah. Uh, way to use the word but um so this is something that you do even personally right it's not oh, just yeah. your it's, oh yeah it's part of it, life and that's what you were doing at that time right because it seemed yep. very secluded and as you're sharing that that's what came to mind i was like man i remember when he was at that place that i saw on tv and you're just kind of like there's this huge window and you're just kind of in this and even me I think looking i know what you're talking about yeah even me looking at that picture i was like man i think i might come up with some ideas like you know what I mean just pretending that i'm there i, I was uh yeah no we were working on a project for hospitality um, that was actually in the Middle East, and that was a place in Utah called Amangiri. It's pretty cool. And, yeah. Uh, and so yeah, no, we went out there and and I was focused and had my box, my parameters, working on ideas for hospitality. And so um, it's no, it's definitely part of life. One last thing I'll say on the ideation. So you're like, 
a lot of people might think of this and be aware and go, oh yeah, I do that. And then kind of go back to normal. Um, I personally think, and I think that we get a little bit focused on the things that we're surrounded in the most, but I really do honestly think that people who um, grow in their ability for good ideation and creativity, that's something that's not going away, right? Like AI and automation is taking over so many different jobs and not in a scary way, not like iRobot, but (laughs) if we talk about like 10, 20 years from now, I would wager that probably 60, 70, 80% of all jobs that can be automated will be. It just makes sense. Yeah. And it's good. Like it makes sense in the right things. Like if you're an accountant, right? Um, if you can automate a lot of the different processes of crunching certain numbers and making sure things add up, do it. Like take away the monotonous, you know, type stuff so that you can focus on more strategy, right? So it's good. It's good in some things. Um, but then there's other areas like, let's say, healthcare. Like, even if you could automate the healthcare for yourself and have a robot take care of you in your old age, would you really want that or would you want human connection? And the chances are we still will. So, even if we can automate things, there will be things that will have human connection. But here's where I'm getting to I think one of the very, very strongest uh, talents that you can have, that anyone can have in the next decade is the gift and the ability of discernment, okay? And the ability to come up with ideas, you know, creativity and ideation. Because, you know, robots are not gonna be coming up with the most remarkable ideas. They're never gonna understand human connection in the same way. Like that's where we really are, um, you know, you talk about being born with something or developing something. That's one thing that we're born with that can't be taken away. Is just that we are human. And so the ability for discernment, like discerning between right and wrong, discerning between fake and real, discerning between which opportunity we should take this way or this way, like discernment in leadership, relationships, whatever. That's just something that's like really, really powerful if you can develop that more. And then ideation. I just think that, again, it's the one thing that automation is not going to take away. We're going to need people to come up with good ideas, great ideas, remarkable ideas that then may end up getting automated. You know, you talked about your subscription for the juice company or whatever that might get automated, but the idea won't. So, um, so yeah, it's important. I would say don't, don't, uh, be idle in that one. And even if you're not going to like study it to the depths, like that's fine, but just be good at ideation within what you do. Don't rely on an outside agency or whatever. They suck. Okay, they suck at that stuff, right? They're trying to give you the answers that appease you that you like. They'll come up with 10 ideas and say, which one do you like? Yeah. And you go, this one. It doesn't mean it's the right idea. And it definitely doesn't mean it's going to be remarkable. You know, so, so yeah. Jeez, Don't dude. sit on ideation. It's It's part of our life, right? So... Dude, yeah. I I want to ask one more question before my yeah. final question, um, and this is more just maybe uh, it's, it's more of a practical question. But I love this idea that creativity is actually more organized than than we think, right? But uh, if if I'm trying to uh, strengthen this muscle of mm-hmm. of um, creating and coming up with remarkable ideas, viral ideas, 
um, in, in terms of time, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it it seems like it's something that you don't want to, uh, you know, what I mean rush. But and maybe this may be even more of a personal question. Like, what what do you do in terms of? Uh, do you set aside a time to specifically w- work this muscle out, or when something pops up in your mind, do you block out the next half hour, or, or you know, what I mean, what? Good is- question. Both. Um, I always try and you know I encourage people that we train and that I work with to always carry something to be able to write ideas. I will say in terms of like training the muscle, there is something about physically writing ideas in a notebook and whatever that it just is retained. And that it also translates and kind of, I don't know, it's stronger. So I have notes on my phone, thousands of them, but I also try and carry a notebook. And we even, you know, just to kind of push the point of shower brain, the team that we're working with right now in Qatar, we just shipped out this whole box of uh, waterproof notebooks. So it's paper, but it's all waterproof. And so you can, I joke, you can do it on the toilet or in the yeah. shower, or whatever, wherever you have ideas, capture them. Cause that's kind of where it starts. For myself, it's very dedicated set aside time, right? Like it's, I, I, I'm I, not going to sit there for 10 hours and fry my brain stirring on things. I'll do things in sprints. So usually it's very intensive and very focused and a lot of preparation in terms of what are those parameters? What are those rules that I can fit within? And then I'm end up blowing those walls down and going in a different direction. But I always start with parameters. I start with rules and... And yeah, practice. I mean, just practice. Like, if you don't even have things to come up with yourself, which I would say is false, because everyone should have reason to come up with ideas, whether for your personal life or professional, right? But even if you think you don't, think about it for others. You know, come up with rules and parameters and stuff for coming up with ideas as if you were for a different company. Man, Cameron, this... uh this has been so beautiful, man. It's been a beautiful conversation. <laughs> Thanks, man. And uh, super, super uplifting, super uh, glass shattering in terms of breaking old paradigm shit, you know, old paradigms and shifting them to, to new ones. But um, but uh, I I have this last question for you, and it's a, the question that we ask everyone, and and uh, and we got to wrap it up. I know we're we're over You're time good. for you. I want to respect your time, but um. Man, when you consider everything, and and your journey is so crazy, man. You're only 31, like, and and you have a, a lifetime of experiences already, and 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 knowledge uh, that you picked up. But um, when you consider your journey, everything, um, and then we we bring in the principle of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, what are you what are you grateful for when you look back? Gosh, so much. Um, I've been through a lot and, you know, I mean, again, I, I think some of these things we could, we could do another podcast sometime, be happy to, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for a lot and I've had a lot of life experiences that have gotten me here. So for everyone listening, you know, you kind of hear those, the end result, right. Without seeing a lot of the stuff behind, but I've gone through some really hard stuff and I'm grateful for all of it. I'm grateful for the good and the bad. You know, I talked about at the beginning, kind of having that perfect Boy Scout, whatever life growing up. And it's not quite the same anymore. You know, not not that I'm not focused in that way, but the experiences that I've gone through, um, you know, whether they were my choice or not, they've they've helped me grow and develop and learn. And, 
and I think is part of it is instead of letting certain things kind of dictate my direction of going, well, this happened to me and because of that, that means it's going to be this way for the rest of my life. I go, just not yet, right? Like, like this might have been happening and this might be my reality right now, but it doesn't mean it has to be. And maybe I haven't overcome it, but I just haven't overcome it yet. And so always looking for that solution and um, and kind of that moving forward. So I'm grateful for I'm grateful for all of it, man. Like I'm, I really am a, a grateful person and that, that, uh, that's been a powerful thing in my life for sure. So I, I like that. That's a question that you ask people. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot to be grateful for. That's my paralysis by analysis, right? You get, you gotta give me some parameters of what I'm grateful for. Cause no. I'm, I'm grateful for a lot. I'll, 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 I'll speak to you after this. But ladies yeah, and yeah. gentlemen, uh, Cameron Manoy, thanks for coming, man. Happy to, man. Anytime.